What on earth is that? Glick, status report. It looks like a bird? No, no, it looks like a plane. Actually, it's temporal displacement. It's actually your podcast. Oh, okay. Glick's open comms. Okay, what is happening here? Where are we? Glix, give us a situation report. Currently, we are on the planet Geekery. Be warned, our impossibility drive may cause distortions okay. as we traverse this land. Impending impossibility engaging in three, oh two, oh one. Comms are now open to devoted geeks. Attention crew, after analyzing the next sector of the Superman district, I recommend pulling in another person to help us navigate. Sweet. Well, while Glix and I fire up the impossibility drive, Celeste, why don't you welcome everyone? Hello, Devoted Geeks, and welcome to episode 60 of ComTalk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions, the YouTube show from Devoted Geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. I am Celeste, and with me is... Dallas, as you guys listen to this podcast, please, uh, you know, interact with us. Send us your thoughts on what we are saying via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us simply by looking up Geek Devotions. Also, do us a favor. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment there and interact with us uh, because it helps us to get found. Uh, apparently, if you don't comment on your favorite podcast, it gets shut down. So that's not good. It's not that it's shut down. It just gets hidden. Yeah. So, hey, comment uh, on, leave us some reviews. Also, uh, we are posting these on YouTube. If you're listening to this on any other podcasting device but YouTube, we do post these on YouTube. And so uh, we have a pretty extensive comment se- section. We have a couple people who leave some great comments there. Yeah. Uh, Dale left a great comment on it last time. Um, and uh, I love how this dude thinks. He brings so much depth to our community. He does. So I want to encourage everybody to check out our um, check it out on, on YouTube. I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm sending everybody off the off the uh, platform here. All right, well let's get down to business. We're not defeating Huns. Oh man! All right, well what are we doing? What is happening here? So let's can you explain to everybody what's happening with our um, impossibility drive. So our impossibility drive, the the drive that allows us to go all over the planet geekery at will randomly, traveling in super hyperspace. Otherwise known as as lack of focus, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has is on the fritz. So we're trying to fix it, and as we're fixing it, we are slowly going through the Superman district. Right, we're kind of traveling bit by bit. Start off with uh, retro rewind podcast with Superman nineteen seventy something or another. It was Superman two. It is episode one one sixty six on their website. Right, retrorewindpodcast.com. And then we decided to, we're stuck here, so let's just talk about this. Right. So we've done the Max Fleischer. Yeah. We like the Max Fleischer. We did the 1948 serial. We did do that one. I liked that one. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I preferred the Max Fleischer to those, but still. We did the Adventures of Superman. Well, with, with Josh with, Berkey. With Josh Berkey. Of Victims and Villains. Right, which was actually my first Superman, actually. Oh. That was, I, that was that's the, right. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the new adventures of Superman. Yes. Which I don't, we didn't, neither one of us cared for that one, did we? No, not really. No, that was the one we really disliked. Yeah. It was the Terry baby comment that just oh, threw us. Oh, Lord. <laughs> With the pterodactyl. Oof. Um, we did Superman, most, not Superman. This is the whole thing is about Superman. Yeah. We did Superboy Super most Boy. recently, and we didn't particularly care for that one well, either. Our, our subtitle for the episode was Super Awkward. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. All right. So that's 
leading us today. Uh, so hopefully everything should be... Oh, wait, I hear something. Attention. Our impossibility drive appears to be pulling in Bobby Sizemore, also known as... My dad! Wow! Ooh. What am I doing here? <laughs> Hi! Hey, welcome baby. to the Planet Geekery. Hey. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Bobby Sizemore, otherwise known as Celeste's dad. How's it going? Going all right. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. <laughs> Our impossibility drive has pulled you in. It's identified you as a uh, grade A geek who knows what they're talking about. Um, I- I'm assuming that's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a lot of experience with Superman? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I grew up on the George Reeve show mm. when I was a kid. I still think he was the best Clark Kent ever. I agree. Not necessarily that. Superman. Um, <laughs> I watched all the various cartoons, the George Reeves films, uh, excuse me, Christopher Reeve films, mm-hmm. um, Superboy. I agree with their assessment there. <laughs> Lois and Clark, Smallville, Superman Returns, Man of Steel, right. Krypton. All right. So what's your favorite Superman so far? Like of all time. As Superman himself. I like Christopher Reeve. Okay. Uh, like I said, George Reeves to me was the best Clark Kent. He just looked better in the suit with the hat and acted more like a dedicated reporter right i can see that i can see that well let's find out where we are right now glicks what do you have in store for us we are about to continue on to sector eight of the superman district this is 1993's lois and clark the new adventures of superman to navigate through here we will need to discuss our likes and dislikes of this series our opinions of superman and lewis lane and our thoughts on the execution of this series Awesome. Well, let's do this. Let's dive into this. First up on the docket, what did we like about Lois and Clark? Now, we do have a, a disclaimer here. Um, so we, we're pretty confident we've all watched them all, all the way through. At some point. But in preparation for this, we've only watched the first uh, five episodes. Yes. So we're basing this off the first five, but we all have knowledge about the greater spance of the series. So some that may come out in our conversations, you guys are listening to this, um, but uh, work with us here. So uh, let's get into this. Uh, what do you guys, let's, we'll start with you, Bob, since you're, you're new. Uh, what's not your first time on the show? You've been with us before. You talked about Star Trek with Celeste a while back. Yes, I did. Yeah, but what, what was your, what's one of your favorite things about Lois and Clark? One of my favorite things about it is the, the chemistry between Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. I thought they made a, a cute couple. Um, there's a lot of humor to their relationship, but it's more romantic than, to me, just about any other interpretation I've seen of, of Superman and Lois Lane. I really see that too. Like it really was, we were talking about when we were watching it. Yeah. It seems like this is more of a real, like these are real people to us. It seems like they're really focused. It seems like this is the first series where they really focused on the individuals rather than Superman. Yeah, more more of the Clark than Superman. Right. Right. And I read something somewhere that said that um, the series was loosely based off of um, kind of a reboot that had just happened in the comics where they really did kind of focus on Clark Kent being who he really was and Superman being the alter ego, whereas prior it was Superman and Clark Kent was the alter ego. Hmm. Right. And basically, it, it goes with John Burns' rewrite in the comics mm-hmm. where he ditched the Clark Kent pretending to be a coward and a clutch, which I thought was long overdue. That stick had been <laughs> running the ground long before. And at first, Lois didn't like Clark yeah. because of 
rivalry uh, on the paper. And then as they got closer uh, in the comics, then this, this series came along and just kind of uh, followed suit with them uh, being attracted to each other. And at first, Lois not really interested in a serious relationship, but it, it builds toward that. So I really enjoyed, they kind of hinted that in one of the episodes that we were watching, like there it's, you can tell she's starting to warm up to him. She's starting to like him. Um, I think it was the the last one we watched where Perry White was making them partners on a story. Um, she really earned, he really earned her trust in that storyline. And so you can kind of see where she's like, okay, he's not so bad. He can stay around. Absolutely. So I'm kind of excited about the fact that we have you here, Bob, because um, I, I'm a big comic book geek. Uh, Celeste is really getting into comics this last couple of years, especially yeah. thanks to uh, Marvel Universe and DC Universe, uh, which, by the way, is uh, sponsored by our friends over at our Devoted Patreons. They uh, yeah. helped us take care of that uh, expense so we can bring you content like what we're listening to today. This entire series of Superman is brought to you by our Devoted Patreon geeks. If you want to be one, uh, patreon.com forward slash geek devotions for more information about doing that shameless plug didn't mean to do that there but, but uh, it fit it did fit but you actually grew up with a lot of this as a kid reading it and you're you're far more knowledgeable about the comic world than i am on all this yeah i started reading comics when i was five this was 1961 <laughs> the year when the fantastic four launched the marvel universe yeah and of course dc was in the middle of their their silver age period and i just kind of grew up reading all of it and it's interesting. One of the things that really formed how I process a lot of this stuff was I read the first Justice League Just Society team up when I was like seven. And I, the idea of multiple worlds just made sense to me in the story. And since then, that's because I grasp it so young, I don't have any problems with processing these whole universe things that the comics and Star Trek and other things have built. So basically you were, your mind was formed at an early age for interdimensional travel. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) All right. Well, Celeste, what's something you liked about the series? I really enjoyed Lois Lane. Yeah. Like I know, I know I'm kind of jumping subjects here Mm -hmm. real quick, but go for it. But I enjoy the way that Terry plays her like it's just she does a good job of showing that Lois is a strong and independent woman but she's also has moments where she's crying into her ice cream right I mean she's not <laughs> she's got that balance she has a good balance of the sides of her of of the differences and the you know it's she's very relatable now some of it could be nostalgia some of it could simply be that I think you and I my dad and I watched all of these well first two seasons on vhs several years ago several yeah and another thing i liked about terry hatcher is something that the comics had lost for a while but then john byrne brought back in the early superman comics lois lane was a daredevil she would do anything to get the story which is why superman was constantly having to rescue her because she was fearless and they kind of got away from that in the comics for years and Byrne brought it back, and and Terry Hatcher incorporated it into her interpretation of Lois. She would do whatever it took to get the story. Right. I think my favorite part 
was we watched two episodes last night and one of the episodes she and another character got locked into a bank vault and she had before they said it she had said something about uh i i my middle name is trouble or danger is my job oh danger is my job and then after she's locked in she's like leaning against the wall going danger is my job really why did i say that (laughs) So it's just, again, it kind of, she puts on this brave face and, but really she's just like everybody else. She has her fears, she has her stuff, but because she has that other side of her that's a little bit more more vulnerable, she's more relatable. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree with that. And we talked, but we talked about that with her character. Um, When you and I first started watching it, we struggled with trying to decipher if we were drawn into it because... We thought it was great writing yeah. or if it was nostalgia reasons and stuff like that. So we were, we were really trying to figure everything out. And uh, we were talking about the lowest character mm-hmm. and we were kind of struggling with uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of her actions. Like she, she just seems so, so mean and vindictive at the time. And uh, and I was trying to figure out if that was like if that was real. Like, is that what society was like? Was does she have to be that with the time period at the time? So I actually, I did some independent research and uh, <laughs> I called my mom, who was a professional back in the 90s, like in the like late 80s, late early 90s. She was traveling around the nation and seeing clients, making sales for the company she worked for and everything. So I was like, you know, did you have to be like tough and mean like that? She's like, well, to be honest, you kind of did a little bit. You know, she, uh, even though, how she put it? Some people were enlightened, <laughs> she put it. But she still put guys who were like trying to hit on her and stuff like that. So she had to be tough at the time. And so there was a level of with this show and with uh, Lois and everything where it really was encapsulating what the nines were like. It was real life for people. And I think that added to the why we like the series. Yeah, I think it. I, th- I definitely agree with that. But I also think that there was, especially in that first episode that we watched, there was some some the fact that we were kids in the 90s that pulled us in. I don't know about you, but that first episode was about the spaceship that blew up. Yeah, the the messenger. Um, so, which obviously to, for us, when we heard about them, like the mess, like, oh, the messenger and it exploded. We're like, whoa, whoa, like the challenger. Yeah. Like, I'm, like I was wondering if that was on purpose. Uh, I'm sure it was um, <laughs> try, to try to relate to the present time. That's one thing about long-running characters like Superman and Batman is you have to kind of reinvent them for each time period. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're going to lose your readership. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad to hear that you thought that it was on purpose because we thought it was as well. <laughs> now, was it you that was telling me that the, the entire sphere of DC comics, their history is supposed to be within a 20 year time period. Is that what that was? Well, at one point they were saying 20 years, but, of course, in recent years, they've shortened it. Oh, yeah. um, after the new 52, it's all been five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel does the same thing. They have what they call a sliding time scale mm-hmm. so that everything is supposed to have happened recently and any topical references to a specific period are to be ignored later on. Ah, uh, I got you. I got you. All right. Cool beans. So, was there anything that we didn't like about the series? Like this, like the crickets are roaring in the background. 
the only thing I really didn't like was there were several of the classic villains that were never used on the show. I mean, I liked Lex Luthor as the, you know, the corrupt billionaire, although he shouldn't have had hair. Um, <laughs> I was, one, I was wondering you. about that. <laughs> and then, of course, they had uh, Mixius Pitalik on the show. Uh, but, Which I was surprised they brought him in. Like, like again, that wasn't what we saw, but I was surprised they brought him in in later seasons. Like after I, I read the comics, I saw and I remember him that character. I'm like, that's a hard character to do for a series. I was surprised they did that. Is he the one that causes chaos? Yeah, you have to say his name backwards. It's like your yeah. flipperty gibbet, right? Um, later on, when they when Burn updated it, he changed the thing about him having to say his name backwards. Basically, when he first appears after the John Burns reboot, he gave that as a uh, as a rule to make him go home. But then the next time he appeared, he picked something else. Oh. So that's no longer um, a thing, which is fine because that's another shtick that had been way overdone and gotten just absurd. I mean, how do you get somebody to say "clyptopazixum"? I mean, it's just. And yes, I know. Well done. Well, most people can't pronounce it. I, I've just taught myself over the years. That is the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, or the raxacoracophallopatorius of the DC universe. I'm not even going to try. Just <laughs> not even going to try. Those That's are the pretty, only two I actually, know. Actually, they changed the spelling over the years. In the 40s, it was Mixias Tipolic. And in the 50s, it became Mixias Pitolic, and it remained that ever since. Somebody made a mess up, and nobody caught it until it was already published. And they're like, well, we got to go with it. Well, the, the whole int- whole idea of the character cracks me up. There was a comic strip back then called Little Abner, and it was a guy named Joe Buffspudeluck who was uh, had such bad luck that he would blackmail businesses. They would pay him not to show up because things would happen. In one strip, he shows up at a department store, and a giant octopus comes out of the sewer and pulls the building into the sewer. What? And so they decided to take his name and mix it with the kind of antics that Bugs Bunny pulled on people and that's the origin of the character oh my gosh gosh. that's funny that's funny stuff so yeah i could definitely you know one thing uh, you mentioned one of your dislikes is that there's a lot of characters that aren't pulled in that seems to be a problem with the superman series like every rendition of it you don't have any actual main superman villains or pop up you had lex Luthor in the 60s um cartoon series but there wasn't really anything more than that they briefly pulled in Brainiac in one of the the comics, but it was assumed that you knew who he was. Yeah, you mean in the in the cartoon series yeah. in the sixties? But like the Max Fleischer had nothing to do with any of the the existing world. After the first nine episodes, it became more political run than anything else. Um, the fifties uh, serial or the forties serial had nothing. The 50s uh, with uh, George Reeves, I don't remember any mainland heroes or villains. They weren't any on the George Reeves show. The second serial in 1950, Adam Man vs. Superman, has Lex Luthor in it. Um, and then the Smallville, now the Smallville played around with Lex and Brainiac and some of the Kryptonian villains. But um, But that's for another podcast. True. We're not there now, yet, Bob. <laughs> now, now, the Toy Man did appear in the Lois and Clark. Strangely enough, 
Toyman is played by Sherman Hemsley with the lady that played Wheezy on the Jeffersons with him as his girlfriend on the really? show. And uh, he's not entirely a villain. So, but there are several others that just don't appear on the show. Right. I think it's kind of daunting for writers to pull in some of the more unknown DC villains unless they're unless they're desperate like Lex is an easy person to write he has a certain motive you just have to kind of figure out what he's doing next so you have to make him look smart and make him somebody that you would believe that nobody else really thought he was evil this is true because that's that's the thing is it's known he's a known criminal but at the same time it's like he can get away with it, not just because he's got money, but because don't people don't say like for what at one point in the comics he was a daggum president. That's mildly terrifying. Well, that's the thing is when Byrne rewrote it because before Byrne rewrote Superman, Lex Luthor was a known criminal. Period. He was a criminal scientist who hated Superman and wanted to rule the world. When Byrne updated it, he turned him into this corrupt billionaire. But most of the people in Metropolis did not believe he was corrupt. He funded charities. He owned more property than any other one person in the city. And I remember one time, the first time he's publicly accused of being a crook, there were people in Metropolis screaming that that was a lie, that he was a saint. Right. Um, so for a long time, most of the public did not know he was a criminal. Well, it's kind of like how they, to jump, uh, to jump sectors, kind of how they played Kingpin in the Netflix Daredevil. Mm, and talking about season one? Yeah, in season one, nobody really knew that he was the head of everything. He was just this really rich guy that kind of, he'd give to charities, he'd do his thing, he'd go to auctions. But, I mean, it's a similar thing of, of nobody really expected him to be what he was. As opposed to the comics where Wilson Fisk was always known to be a criminal. They just couldn't prove it. As a matter of fact, when in Marvel, when they came up with this bill to make all supervillains register, people protested in front of the Fisk building, insisting that he register. All right. Well, so what's something you didn't like about Lois and Clark? Um, at the moment, I don't have any... Like, I really, I just really enjoyed it. Some of it is that I've seen it before. Some of it is, is that it's just so much better than Superboy. It is hard when you're comparing now, it to that. Now, and I don't know if this, I think this was just the version we were watching, but in the first episode, it looked like they had been trying, and it, I really had to search deep in my mind for this, but it looked like they'd been trying to, like, remaster it and had not completely finished. And I'm glad you brought that, because that was one of my things I, I struggled with. You saw a little bit in later episodes, but there were scenes where, uh, a couple times there were scenes where, um, when they were doing, like, special effects, like, uh, Lex had this hologram of the space station he was making, that it... All of a sudden, the grain went really like bad. Like you could tell, like it was a lower quality film, and all of a sudden you had this graphic. Or anytime Clark was doing something in super speed, the quality went down, and then and I couldn't tell if that was because of remastering it. And going back because we watched the DC Universe app, and you can kind of tell it's been remastered a little bit. It's cleaner, it's crisper than what it should be from a '93 TV series. Um, but there were these moments where they would cut over and it's like, 
did they just find this like they not did they miss this little batch of clips or there was this like the the scene that stands out the most and what made because I don't necessarily see film grain like Dallas does, but what stood out to me was there was they were talking to Perry. Yes. And it that was going was so back and forth between Lois and Perry. Yes. And Lois was what everything else had been Crisp, clean, clean clear. And when it went to Perry, it looked like it was like flat, they, not dynamic, very grainy. It was just yellow. That's that's how and I even the audio was a little was a little off. Little different, yeah. I don't know, like it, it really trips me out seeing that happen. Yeah, so that's that was the scene that made us go, I wonder if they were just remastering this and they didn't. Because everything else could be attributed to, oh well that was just a bad spot. Because it was always really quick really quick, but that whole scene was back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Did you notice anything like that when you were watching? Like just some moments? How did you watch it? Well, I watched it on, on television when it was originally broadcast and then rewatched it, like you said, on VHS uh, and reruns on different channels. But I never noticed anything like that. So I think you're right in that it was, a re, you know, being remastered and just not, not a well-done remastering of it because I don't remember any real differences in how the film looked, although some of the, the special effects were obviously low budget. Absolutely. But while they're low budget, you could tell there's a better budget to this than uh, Superboy, which had just ended a year beforehand. The flying scenes were so much better. (laughs) The flying scenes were astronomically better. So, all right. Well, guys, I think we've extended that conversation about as far as we can. Uh, Let's uh, get down to like the one of the main portions about this is that is our opinions about Superman and Lois lane what did we think about them um and they're as you know were they good renditions of the characters were they bad rendition characters and we can think back to the previous stuff um not smallville forward but from this backwards how it compares to the previous ones uh so so we'll start with you what were your thoughts on superman and because this is such a different series i would say uh what's really bringing in also clark kent I think that this is one of the better renditions of Clark that we've seen. Like, I know that in the original movies, we said that Clark was the actor played a better Clark than he did Superman. But I think that Dean Cain did a good job of doing both because he kind of played the same character with both. Like, there really wasn't a ton of difference in his confidence or in his voice. It was just he was who he was. He just took his glasses off. Did you think that was what was happening, Bob? Um, yeah, to an extent. Um, one of the things I liked about it, George Reeves, while he was not by any means old, always gave me the impression of being in his 40s, even though the actor was was younger than that. Dean Cain comes across to me as being a young man in his 20s, both as, as Superman and Clark. And... Um, I agree. A lot of his confidence was the same, whoever he was. One scene I remember is, and I don't remember who the villain was. I think he was a corrupt politician or something. And Clark said something he didn't like, and he put his hand on Clark's arm, says, you don't know who you're messing with. And Clark looks at him and goes, neither do you. Well, and we kind of saw some of that in the episode with the boxers where the guy was pulling him into the ring and he he was taunting him and calling him weak. And 
he was like, punch me, come on, punch me. He's like, you really don't want me to do that. (laughs) In this one, because it seems to be so much more focused on Clark Kent than Superman, um, I feel like in this series we saw him really struggling with the concept of controlling himself more than we have any other rendition at all. And, And it seems like they were, the other shows, they were quick to jump to Superman. They're like, here's your here's your bait. Oh, Superman's off to save the day. End of show. We're done. Whereas this one, they I think they tried to sparingly use the Superman. Well, and it could be that they thought that it had been overdone. Because again, Superboy was kind of that way. You really didn't see a ton of Clark. And when you did, it was the bumbling idiot. Rather than, uh, you know, a normal guy who's fairly confident. He's just kind of bland the episode with the guy who could turn invisible um where at the end of it lois goes there's no such thing as an invisible man clark and he goes yes there is he he really feels like he is invisible until he puts on the cape yeah absolutely so what are your thoughts on this superman oh like i said i i agree that they spent more time with uh clark than they did superman which was which was a uh a nice change of pace for the character. I, I like the way that they portrayed Clark's personality um, and his relationship with Lois, like I said earlier, was to me one of the highlights of the show. Right. Um, and the fact that she would ignore so many clues as to what was going on sometimes was funny to me. I remember she comes in one time to his apartment and is looking in his uh, cabinets in his kitchen and it's all junk food. It's all candy and chips and yeah. stuff. She goes, how does he get to be Mr. Hardbody eating this stuff? Yeah, that one was in, um, I think that was the first episode. He was in an apartment. And so instead of his, his he was in a hotel type thing instead of his actual like apartment. Um, I'm kind of, I agree with you. I really enjoyed him as Superman. Um, I don't know if he was the best Superman because... I didn't see a distinction between him and Clark for the most part. And I feel like that's a quintessential aspect of Superman where there is a difference. I I don't buy the whole, oh, he's wearing eyeglasses and it's like telepathy that's making people see something different. I know that's in the comics, but I feel like there has to be action behind him acting different uh, in both. And so I I enjoyed it greatly. I loved his Clark Kent. Like I really loved, I'm really loving this series so far. Uh, But I just don't know if he's the best Superman. I could agree with that because while I, I think he is the best Clark Kent, like, and again, some of that may be nostalgia because I want to say that I saw Lois and Clark before I saw the original movies. Um, but it's, I lost my train of thought midway through my sentence. Um, yep. Dropped my ticket. Um, but I agree that his Superman is not necessarily the best. So, but still good, just not the best. So if we had to rank him, like from all the Superman we've covered so far, from all the way back to the 40s, going up through George Reeves, the Fleischer, the 60s, Superboy. Uh, I love how you said that, though. <laughs> Christopher Reeves, this one. How do we rank him as a Superman? I would put him as number two. Uh, Christopher Reeve, to me, is the best. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Dean Cain, George Reeves, uh, Bud Collier, who did the radio show and the voice for the Fleischer cartoons. And then whoever did the voice in the the 60s cartoons and then Superboy, both of them, because there were two different actors on Superboy. Didn't like either one. I'd heard about that, actually. We only watched, what, three episodes? Did we watch five? We watched all five. (sighs) Because that that was one of the ones, and we'll get into this later, uh, about the mishap of of placement of episodes. That's right. All right, well, what about the lowest character? What do we think about this lowest lane? I think that this one is the one that I based everything off of. I think she is who, in my mind, I'm thinking of when I compare all of the other Loises. So, and again, it could just be that this came on at Nick on Nick at Night years ago when I watched it, and so that's how it got cemented into my mind. Um, because I know it came on Nick at Night at some point, and so did the old black and white ones. So those two Loises, I think, combined are what? I think this Lois is probably the most rounded Lois we've had to date. What do you think, Bobby? I would agree. Um, like I said, I grew up on the original show. There were two Loises on there. There was Noel Neal, who played in the serials. Then when the TV show started, Phyllis Coates, no, excuse me, Phyllis Thaxter, played it the first season. And... They dropped her and brought Noel Neal in for the rest of the series. Noel Neal was good at the the career part. She was determined to get her story, always dressed like a a businesswoman of the time period. But the romantic side of the character was lacking. And that's what I think that Terry Hatcher did the best was combine the two. Margot Kidder, I like Margot Kidder in the Christopher Reeve movies to an extent but it's like she never got far enough with either side of the character for me she never went to being the the career woman one of my complaints about her interpretation of the character was she couldn't spell she's constantly asking people how to spell something how does a pulitzer prize winning reporter not know how to spell and then they would do the romantic part up to a point but then for her part, to me, it seemed to get sappy. She just screamed too much. So I think we're I think we're all in agreement. This is probably the best um, character fleshed out wise version of Lois. Just in the first five episodes. Just in the first five episodes, and and we see even more dynamic out of her in later episodes as she matures as a character. When you know getting into marriage and stuff like that, we see her deal with real life struggles, real life issues. We see her. Like in the first episode, we see her like, you know, the mean, angry uh, type of woman who's like, get away from me. I don't need anybody to sitting in a bed crying with a bowl of ice cream. And you see this range of it. And she's like, like you you can see that as a that's a real life woman who's trying to deal with society and and not just shutting out everything, but dealing with her emotions the best she can. Which happens to be sappy movies and ice cream for her. And then we even see moments where. Like she'll be in the newsroom and you see this breakdown where she's the, the facade has come off and she's dealing with something in real life. And then she's coming back and functioning as a human being. Yeah. Like, I feel like she's the most relatable Lois we've had to date. The episode they did where it had her dad in it. 
and you they deal with the fact that she and her dad don't get along because he just wasn't there and then you deal with the the fact of the person who kind of was a dad figure to her even though they don't say it has has died in front of her and so just watching her process all of that really was interesting to watch and again this is the first five episodes this is not the whole series so i mean we're we're already seeing some good character depth with her mm, in that absolutely i agree all right any last thoughts on lois and clark or or superman as far as if we thought they were good or not overall i think the two of them um made the best couple of anybody cast as the two Absolutely. characters. They are cute together. I ship it. <laughs> I'm glad you ship it. We'll let the writers of DC know. So, we should put since these, it was the name of the we show. We should put that Lois and Clark guy together. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that romantically they were the best that came together. Uh, Reeves and, and Margot, they seemed wooden at times. With some, like, the, the relationship jumped so quickly in the second movie, in Superman 2. Like, it went from zero to, to, to 100 overnight, it seemed like. And um, so, I didn't really care for that. The, I think that's the third movie you're thinking of. No, it was the second one. It was the second one? It's the second one where he gives up his powers and literally takes her to bed. Why did I think that fortress. was the second one? Or was the third one? No, the third one is the one with Richard Pryor trying to make artificial kryptonite. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Although on Supergirl, they redid one of the scenes from that movie where the evil version of Superman goes in the bar and is thumping peanuts. And they're going like bullets and shattering the bottles of booze behind the bar. They redid that scene on the second season of Supergirl, literally where she's doing the same thing. Nice. Nice. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, uh, and we'll come back from the commercial break. We're going to do uh, kind of our breakdown. Is this a good Superman series to recommend to people? And uh, and then we'll do some final tra- uh, announcements. So see you guys after the break. Hi, I'm Francisco from the Retro Rewind Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by... I'm Paul J. Powers, and they call me the Master Interrupter. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, it doesn't matter, because you're listening to Com Talk. All right, and we're back from our commercial break. Hope you guys uh, do us a favor and check out those individuals. Um, we really like them, we care about them, and that's why they're our commercial break. <laughs> so that being said, um, let's get into one of our major questions, and this is the question we ask every time we do one of these shows: Is this a good Superman to introduce people to? If like you got a person in your life that's like, hey seen the Superman thing, kind of want to get into it. What's a good place to start is going, hey, check out Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Is that a good place to start people off or or is it not? Uh, so we'll start with you, Bobby. What are, what are your thoughts on this? I would say it is because it introduces a lot of the, the mainstays of the character. I mean, Superman and Clark. Lois, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, The Daily Planet, Metropolis, Lex Luthor is his arch enemy and the corrupt billionaire, the romance between Lois and Clark. I mean, those are a lot of the, lot of the, the main elements of the Superman mythos, so to speak. Um, I like their interpretation of all the, the characters. One of the things that was always funny to me is the original 
series in the 50s, Perry White's famous expression was a great Caesar's ghost. So in the update, he's an Elvis fan, and his big expression is great shades of Elvis. And at one point, turns out that he is a ordained minister of the Church of Blue Suede Persuasion. Oh my gosh, are you for real? Yeah, he was going to perform the wedding when they eventually got around to it. And is interrupted by the guy who used to play Bosley on Charlie's Angels, playing an angel who actually performs the wedding ceremony. Because we don't know. Uh, That's awesome. That's just awesome. I I agree. This is a great one to introduce. You meet most of the main players. You meet the Mod Pa Kent. They were great. Like I liked the whole dynamic of him calling them and talking to them and then flying home for dinner once a week. And just the like I was cracking up when one of them was on the the landline, one of them was on a cordless, cordless and they're in the same room and talking to him. And it's just it was it was funny to me. Right. So they did a really good job. I enjoyed Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed this rendition. He was less kid, but it more like a full fledged character. Yeah, they really kind of fleshed him out a bit. Which is funny because he's actually younger than the guy who played him on the show in the fifties, who very much acted like a kid. So, but he's also just fleshed out. I think that's what I like about this series is everyone seems fleshed out. If they're not, they get fleshed out eventually in the series. Um, and so, jury's still out on Cat Grant. Jury's still out on Cat Grant. You're absolutely right. I forgot about her. I will say that even though she was trashy deliberately, I liked her better than the businesswoman version on the Supergirl show. Really? But that's just me. <laughs> See, I kind of preferred her character as the businesswoman on Supergirl. Not that I had a problem with her as a businesswoman. I just didn't really care for the way that Callista Flockhart played it. Gotcha. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Every time Callista whatever her name is, was on the screen, I was waiting for a <laughs> dancing baby to happen. What? Yeah, she first got famous on a sitcom called Ally McBeal, where you could see her thoughts and her imagination. And one of the things that was real big was this, CGI animated dancing baby. What? Yep. And everyone listening goes, well, we know what time frame Dallas grew up in now. Alrighty then. <laughs> you said Callista Flockhart. I thought she was on Felicity. No, that's uh, somebody else altogether. It's uh, She has so much hair. Carrie somebody. I forget her name. Carrie Russell? Yeah, that's it. And, and, and apologies to Harrison Ford if he takes offense at any comments about his wife. <laughs> If Harrison Ford is listening to this podcast, he can take offense to whatever we say if he wants, because he's listening to our podcast. Harrison yeah. Ford, please leave a comment. Yeah, true enough. Let us know you're listening, Harrison. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, I think we're all pretty much in agreement. There's somebody comes to us like, hey, where can I start off with? This is a great, like, out of all of them, this is the first one where we put in the first episode and we're like, I we don't want to leave. Like we don't watch this. We it's the last time we watched these together on our lunch break, and we're like, we don't want to leave now. We want to like some of these. We've been like, geez, please let it in. We'll watch another episode later. Please be over. But this one, we were like locked in from the word go. I have to wonder if part of it is because it was an hour long. They had the time oh. to, to 
to flesh things out, to do a full-fledged story. Because if you look at it, while everything is connected, each story is summed up in its hour. And it's not, I mean, it's, so it's handled. There's, there's some things that carry over, but it's mostly like relational and people, not villains, at least not in the first five. I will say this, and I think this is, should be a, a fair warning for anybody who goes to watch it. There is a little bit of episode misordering in this. Like you first, That's what it feels like anyway. You watch the first episode, and it's dealing with um, the first appearance of Superman. He's getting his suit, all sort of stuff. It's a special hour and a half season premiere mini movie type of, of thing. And then the second episode, um, you have the uh this weird government agency comes in they're trying to shut them down like we want to know where superman is you have all the goods tell us now and then the next episode it seems like it takes more right off the first episode and them trying to piece together a story about superman and who he is like it was it felt i felt really jarred when i watched it 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 was a little jarring but when we looked on the internet because everything's on the internet it said that that was the correct order now, because Superboy did that. Superboy put what should have been the first episode, like at episode five. Yeah. And they, and when we looked up online, they said that, yes, that was supposed to be the first episode, but for just for production reasons, they went ahead and put it later and later on. Of course, that, that really killed Superboy for me, to be honest. Because that, that first episode where they're like, who's this strange visitor? Like, you've been hanging out with him for five episodes now. Uh <laughs> But it was a bit jarring to having that. But even with that jarring in, in Lois and Clark, I thought it was good. I think the problem there was not that the orders were, episodes were out of order. I think it was just the writing. They didn't make it clear that the government showed up like immediately after he appeared and not after he'd been around for a little while. Right. Which is possible. All right, cool beans. So, any other thoughts on on Lowe's and Clark before we close this out and go into our any final announcements that we may have? Just that the episode where they finally get married, which is farther than my co-hosts here have watched so far, the title of it cracked me up. The title of it was Honest to God, This Time We're Not Kidding. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I remember when that happened, when they did that episode. Uh, I when it when it first premiered, I remember like we were amped about it. Like my family watched it together as a, as a family, and I think that's what I like about the series is uh, the whole family can watch it. It's not too kiddy. Like I don't I don't know if, how many adults can handle the one from the '60s, but um, it's not too kiddy. It's not too adult like what we have sometimes nowadays with TV series. The whole family can watch this, and that's what it was. My whole family came down. We watched Superman, Lois and Clark Superman, every week. And I remember when they got to the wedding, like, we were excited about it. We were like, this is an event. Like, we, I mean, it was like watching a movie event for us. And uh, I like how they timed it. it. It was broadcast the same week that the comic book, Superman, the wedding album, came out. Yes. Which I think is, I'm curious. You know, maybe you know this, Bobby. Uh, it feels like. This series felt more connected to the DC comics. Like it felt like direct, like guys who work on the comics worked more with this than some of the previous renditions that we saw. I would agree. Um, probably the, all the, the versions afterwards as well. Yeah. 
I think that they realized that if they connected the two, people would be more likely to buy the comics or people would be more likely to watch if it was similarly connected. Because that's, that's part of the interest of watching something like that or reading the comics is when you watch something, you're like, oh, well, what did they do with this in the comics? Or when you're reading the comics, you hear about something coming out. Oh, I really want to see this fleshed out. Yeah. You know, it, it has a symbiotic relationship. We just finished watching uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I'm going, man, I need to go back and read some Michael Morales. I need to read... I, the honest, the last, the, the end credits of Michael of uh, Into the Spider Verse. I'm like, I'm gonna go read some Spider Man 29 right now, 2999 right now. But um, I feel like this does that. Like this makes me go, I want to read the comics more. Yeah. Like I wasn't a huge Superman fan. I enjoy Superman. I enjoyed Superman growing up. Um, it's no secret in this podcast and this in our show that I'm much more of a Batman fan. But this makes me go want to go. I want to go read some Superman right now. There are other characters that one-on-one individually that I like better than Superman. But to me, he's he, he's the character that built the entire industry. I mean, it all started with Superman. Right. Um, Batman and all the rest were created to cash in on what was a new phenomenon. Phenomena. <laughs> Transitioning into announcements and other things that you guys need to mention. Okay, now for the announcements. We are about to take a trip to Richmond, Virginia. What? To go see a penguin. Penguin? A penguin. He's a pastor penguin. Our friend, Pastor Susie, the first online church Twitch pastor, um, is hosting a con called Squad Con. He does this every year, and this year he has invited us to come. Yeah. And so we we are coming. We're going to have a booth. We're going to hold a panel, maybe. A workshop type of thing. Workshoppy thing. Yeah. And yeah, so we're going to be there. So if you are in the Richmond, Virginia area and you are going to SquadCon, or if you are curious about SquadCon right. and want to come and see us, you can do so. Uh, also coming up, uh, I forgot the date. You're going to have to bring it up for us, Celeste. We have our Devoted Geek Together happening here in June. And uh, this month's Devoted Geek Together, we're going to be going to um, the library. Everyone goes, ooh, exciting. But this is actually kind of cool for those of you who aren't like just really big into books. Our local library system has is doing all summer long a Star Wars-themed escape room. Escape, and we're pretty excited about it. <laughs> um, we Celeste and I did one uh, several months ago with some friends of ours, and so we're pretty excited about being able to do this again. The date for that is June 29th, and afterwards we will be meeting up at Larry's Pizza. Yes, I love Larry's so Larry's much. Larry's is fun. So we're super excited. Hey, if you want to be part of that, we do have an event page on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash geek devotions. Make sure you check that out. It is our, the, the escape room portion is RSVP uh, because there's only a certain number of people who can go through it. We've, uh, we've tentatively reserved three slots, but we need to know if you're going to come and be part of the escape room experience. If not, uh, then you can meet us at Larry's. We don't, uh, we do like to kind of have a head count for that, but it's not as imperative as going to escape room. Cause again, there's limited slots for the escape room. Yes. And so if we don't, we don't have as many people as we have slots for, then we will give up one of our slots so that somebody else can do this because this is a, a service for everyone and anyone part of the library system. 
Also, we're going to be at GeekCon this year in August. Uh, we love GeekCon. It's one of our favorite cons we do. Most because it was our first con. Up until SquadCon, it was the only con we do. Well, we, well, did we did the, the anime we did, con. We did the anime con here locally. Which has not announced a new date this year. No, that's weird. We better figure that out. But we're going to, to GeekCon, and we're super excited about it. Love it. Uh, um, Greg Adams is a, kind of the guy who is heading it up. And uh, does a great job every year. He does. I mean, phenomenal job. Dude busts his tail side every year. Uh, this year, there's some really cool guests coming to GeekCon. We got LeVar Burton, Dadgum Reading Rainbow, Dadgum Jordy um, LaForge. Yes. <laughs> He's going to be there. The reason that every kid took those banana clip things and put it over their eyes. Exactly. <laughs> What, what what how did you first see Jordy? Like what's like you think Jordy? Uh, you think of 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 him? What do you think of him? I think reading Rainbow, but I actually knew about LaForge yeah. before I watched any of it. Nice. It was kind of just on in the background of the house, and so I'd see this guy with the thing over his eyes. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I was a kid and too little to really watch it, yeah. so it's a fleeting memory. So reading Rainbow is really the first. How about you, Bob? What was your very first? Or what, when you say LeVar Burton, what do you think of first? Well, I'm Jordy LaForge because I'm a Star Trek nut. See um, previous episode but of I'm, Talk. But I'm familiar with uh, reading Rainbow. But even before that, uh, I saw him. First place I remember seeing him was in the miniseries Roots. Yeah. Yeah, that was. He has a. I got to give it to the man. He has a spance of actor um, chops. I mean, like he's done. Very hard, dramatic stuff like Roots to something kid and ha- and lighthearted like um, Reading Rainbow, all the way up to sci-fi adventures such as Star Trek. And apparently, he was the voice of one of the Captain Planet people. He was. He was. He. Was. he uh, we all, what else is? Oh, and this is for all you otaku's out there. We got like half the cast of Dragon Ball Z, which I'm amped about. I am. I'm hyped. I think everybody but Goku. Everyone but Goku, just about. <laughs> so. I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be a good con. We're going to be there. We're not going to have a booth. No. We don't have anything like that, but we no, will be there walking around like we normally do. Uh, we will be there all three days uh, for it. Uh, we managed to score some uh, awesome VIP passes on Woo-hoo. a great discounted price. Yay for pre-sale. Woo. So that I think that's all of our announcements that we have going on. Bobby, thanks so much for taking time to be part of this today. We really appreciate you uh, being here. Thank you You're for uh, giving Celeste uh, her her geeky roots. We really appreciate it. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun introducing her to all kinds of things. Oh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Poor mama. <laughs> <laughs> just just for grins, what was your favorite thing to introduce Celeste to? Your favorite geeky thing? I think Star Trek itself. I mean, we watched uh, first. We went and watched the new first of the new Star Trek movies. By J.J. Abrams. At the midnight showing. Right. And then we watched the original series with uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. In order of Stardate. Right. <laughs> That's something I do. I have, When I read any of the books, I figure out where it fits. And, right. and I've got a, a notebook that I keep it all written down in. So many notebooks. All right. Well, Glix, what is the next sector that we're going to be traveling in? Our next sector will be 2001 Smallville. All right. I'm excited about this. I remember Smallville. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of it growing up uh, because I, when it started, came out, I, I had a job. And so I wasn't able to watch it. 
I think I, I enjoyed this one when it was in, it was still on air and you and I watched the first several seasons together. She's talking to her dad for those of you who are watching your screen. Yeah, we did. Dallas and I didn't and know it, each other at that point. And it was interesting. They weren't sure it was going to go. And they so they put on the first two hour episode before the episode was off the air. They called up the production company and said, we want the rest of the first season. I just remember we watched maybe the first two seasons before I went to college and we, we couldn't watch it anymore. So that was the thing we, we did. We watched it on reruns. Very cool. Well, we're about to watch it again and we're going to give you guys our opinions on it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Calm Talk today. If you've loved this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. So until next Sunday, stay devoted. Peace and love. Peace and love.